Hello and welcome back to What Sports, your host Mike Jones here with you. Sorry for the absence and things came up in real life, took me away from here, but I am back. And first episode back, I want to preview and look at what's coming in week six of the NFL season. A season, uh, week six that hasn't even started off yet because we did not get a Thursday night game. Instead, we will get two Monday night games this week, all part of the rescheduling due to the coronavirus. Without further ado, let's get started. Taking a look at the first matchup here on my docket, Texans at Titans. Uh, a divisional game, one and four. Texans against the 4-0 Titans. Titans, one of those teams that got the uh, surprise early season bye. And the Texans coming off their first win of the season after firing, finally firing, their head coach. On paper, seems relatively straightforward who's going to win this game. Uh, A couple of things to look at. Derrick Henry has not been having uh, a great season. A lot of his output has been saved by touchdowns, goal line touchdowns at that. He's averaging less than four yards a carry so far this season. But he's going up against a run defense that is allowing 160 yards a game on the ground in this Texans team. So he's going to have an opportunity, and this might be the game he he breaks out in. Not saying Derrick Henry's been having a bad season, it's just not what you're accustomed to seeing from that, from that dominant back over there in Tennessee. On the flip side of things, you have Deshaun Watson, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, and he's been not, he himself has not been having a great season, but now that there's a change in regime there now that there's new life brought into this team. I wonder if he might finally be able to get his season on track. Uh, obviously not the uh, best team to try to do that against when you're talking about the undefeated Titans. But with a pass rush headed by, you know, Clowney up front. According to NFL Fantasy, though, he does have the fifth highest projection of quarterbacks coming into this week. Will Fuller had a is have been having a good season, but it's Brandon Cooks who had the breakout game last week. The spread for this game is Tennessee minus three and a half. Uh, I honestly feel like that might be a little bit low. I think Tennessee wins this, and I think they win by more that I I think they cover that quite easily. Next up, we have the Bengals and the Colts. One, three, and one Bengals going up against the three and two Colts. Bengals on their first winning streak of the season coming off uh, week five. And the Colts, you know, undefeated at home so far this season, maybe starting to figure out what that offense is going to look like with, Philip Rivers at the helm. Uh, Rivers so far this season has not looked great, throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. Four touchdowns to five interceptions. Uh, Joe Burrow has actually gotten off to a good start. 
He has so many weapons there in Cincinnati. The problem is he does not have an offensive line in front of him, so he is getting killed and going up against a good pass rush that the Colts have, a good defense in general, really, that the Colts have. It's going to be... It's going to be a tough game for the Bengals. They'll have to rely on Mixon to maybe get a little bit of that spark back from a couple weeks ago. Where he put up 151 yards on the ground with two rushing touchdowns to go with 30 yards receiving and a receiving touchdown. It was just a huge game that he had against Jacksonville. A quieter game against Baltimore. That's to be expected. Baltimore is one of the better defenses in the league, especially against the run. Jonathan Taylor on the other side, one of um, my favorite running, my favorite running back in this past draft class, and somebody who I feel like could really start to break out as the season goes on, has not really been utilized in the passing game, and hopefully up against the uh, Bengals, if you're a Colts fan, hopefully that he gets to gets utilized in that way because I think that is a facet of the game that Philip Rivers in the past has loved to utilize and really something that Taylor can do and he showed he can do in college. And I'm not quite sure why they're not utilizing him to his full, full potential there in Indianapolis right now. And then you also have T.Y. Hilton. He's been, uh, if you have him on your fantasy team, it has not been overly uh, exciting for you. T.Y. Hilton, a guy who's, you know, been a fantasy staple in years past, just hasn't really gone on the same page as Philip Rivers for most of the season. Last week was by far his best week with 10 targets, doubling his, mo doubling his previous high in targets for the entire season, bringing in six of those uh, for only 69 yards, but... If it's a PPR league, which I feel like most, if not all, leagues nowadays are PPR, that's still a 12.9-point game there for him. Uh, he going up against the Bengals' defense, which surprisingly right now is ranked 11th uh, as far as defenses for opposing wide receivers to go up against. Maybe last week was a sign of things to come. I'm not convinced of that yet. Really, it's on the other side of things with T. Higgins that I am actually pretty excited about. Higgins, rookie wide receiver, really kind of stepping into the uh, void left by A.J. Green, who's been a fantasy ghost this year, uh, has put together three solid games in a row, going back to week three, 21 points against Philadelphia, 13 points against Jacksonville, and then the, again, good Baltimore defense still managed to break double digits in 10.2. Now going up against this Indianapolis defense, who is the number seven on NFL fantasy for wide receivers to be going up against. Uh, not the best of matchups, but I I put my trust in that because to me it seems like that is a chemistry that is just growing uh, very much. Not what we've seen uh, developed between Burrow and A.J. Green. You're actually seeing trust built there. Uh, and I, I would say he's somebody who is, who is a start this week in most leagues. 
the line for this game is Indianapolis minus seven and a half, and it's a bit of a wider spread. But it's a spread I actually do think gets covered. I think this it has potential to be a get-right game for the Indianapolis Colts going up against a uh, subpar Bengals defense. Uh, there's so much young talent on that offense, but that defense is just void. Next up, we got the 0-5 Falcons visiting the 1-4 Vikings. Uh, two teams, quite frankly, that have not played up to their potential. I don't believe either one of these teams are as bad as their record says they are. With that said, this is virtually a must-win week for both these teams if they want a chance to make the playoffs. Even with the expanded format, in particular if you're talking about the Falcons, you drop down to 0 and 6, and you're you're digging yourself a hole and burying yourself. Now, quarterback matchup, it whatever. I actually want to slide over to the running back matchup here. In particularly, Dalvin Cook won't be playing this game. Uh, he's going to be sidelined from reports. Give him an extra week with the Vikings by being in week seven to get himself back and to 100% uh, going forward if they're going to be trying to make a playoff push and climb this uphill battle they have. Now, in his stead, Alexander Madison will be getting the start, which if he is available, uh, he's rostered in 84.4% of leagues and actually also starting in 84.4% of leagues because in the limited sample size, he has been very effective. And Minnesota is a team that definitely dedicates themselves to the rushing attack. Last week, uh, mostly in the second half when Cook was sidelined, Madison 20 carries for 112 yards. Uh, he also caught three targets for 24 yards. He is a virtual must-start uh, in this spot start he's getting in replace a cook. On the receiving side of things, the headline is Thielen. Justin Jefferson, though, uh, for the Vikings, has really been coming on strong. He's he's probably, um, outside of like C.D. Lamb, he's making a case for being the second most impactful rookie wide receiver in this class so far. C.D. Lamb has separated himself in that. But you're talking about Justin Jefferson, my boy Jerry Judy, and then um, just was talking about Higgins in Cincinnati. All three of those guys are having good starts. Not not you know great starts like C.D., but they're having good starts of their season. And Jefferson's kind of stepping into that complementary role that was vacated by Diggs moving on to Buffalo. And he's stepping into that quite nicely. Calvin Ridley has been lighting things up in the absence of Julio Jones. Uh, 29 catches for 485 yards and four touchdowns in this young season. Now, Julio Jones has still yet to practice since exiting a game in week four. So, if he doesn't go. Calvin Ridley is set up for a big time game against a poor pass defense of Minnesota on the for the uh, Atlanta Falcons, who have their offense, in particularly that passing game, has been able to do some great things. 
and finally last week got a bit of a compliment to their passing game out of Todd Gurley, who had his best game of the season as a Falcon. 14 carries, 121 yards, and a touchdown on the ground against the Carolina Panthers. That's an 8.6-yard average. Now, the Vikings are better against the run than they are against the pass, but even with that, what was most encouraging to me, if you're a fantasy owner of Gurley, uh, was that he was starting to get actually utilized in the passing game, which, again, like I was saying with Jonathan Taylor, has been underutilized. It's, it's a skill that he had in spades when he was playing for the Rams, and this was his first game since week one with multiple catches out of the backfield. And week one, he only had two catches for one yard. This week, four, or this past week, four catches for 29 yards. I foresee this being a relatively high-scoring game and a game where, you know, Thielen is a must-start every week, but Jefferson is going to be a must-start this week against a very porous pass coverage for the Falcons. The spread in this game, Vikings minus four. Uh, I think that they win, and I do think that they cover that. They'll win by a touchdown or so in my book. Next up, we have the 1-4 Washington football team against the 0-5 New York Giants. Jeez, uh, somebody has to win this game, actually. Now, quick note on Washington. Alex Smith made his debut last week after suffering that horrific leg injury, and... I I thought it was a courageous effort, and quite honestly, I feel like he should be start. If you're not going with Dwayne Haskins, which I don't know why you're not going with Dwayne Haskins, because you don't have a future with Kyle Allen, and although I'm a big Alex Smith fan, you don't have a future with Alex Smith. But if you're not going with Dwayne Haskins, you should be rolling out Alex Smith if you're trying to salvage this season. He is a better option than Kyle Allen. And maybe I'm a little biased, but he's, you know, he's the better story too. But they will be rolling out Kyle Allen uh, in this matchup from reports. On the other side, Daniel Jones, uh, two touchdowns, five interceptions on the season. Really not much at all has gone right for the New York Giants. Uh Daniel Jones is actually also their leading rusher. And quite frankly, outside of Ingram for the Giants, and maybe Freeman, who his yards for carry has steadily gone up uh, in his three games with the Giants, yet still averaging under four yards a carry, uh, there's not a whole lot to really draw from on this Giants fantasy-wise. On the flip side of things, with the Redskins, or sorry, the football team, uh, old habits. But with the Washington football team, really the highlight of them um, this week could very well be their defense going up against that abysmal Giants team. Because uh, the Washington football team has had a few good, good games this season. When I say a few, I mean one, and that was week one against Philadelphia. But this is the worst offense that they have gone up against all season. 
and probably, you know, I'll say for sure, the worst offensive line they will have gone up against all season. And the strength of that defense is their pass rush, headlined by the first-round pick, Chase Young. And then they also have Kerrigan on the other side still. So that defense, to me, is a start this week. If you're streaming defenses, you'll probably be able to get the Washington football team defense. They're only rostered in 19.9% of leagues and starting in those 19.9%, basically 20%. Uh, On the ground, Freeman... They may have to utilize him more in this game just because Daniel Jones is going to need something to take the pressure off of him. And then McLaurin, really not the touchdowns that you would like, but has had a solid season so far for Washington. Uh, if they are going with Kyle Allen, it's a little more questionable what kind of production you're going to get out of him because there's, there's not that repertoire built. There's not that chemistry there so I would I would probably still start him but I'd be I don't necessarily think he's going to reach the 17 point projection that NFL fantasy has for him Um, partially because I'm not sure they're going to be passing the ball a whole lot in the second half because I don't know that the Giants are going to be able to do anything offensively against that Washington defense. The spread for this game is the Giants minus three. So that's basically a Giants, an even spread, but the Giants are at home, which some is kind of interesting about that because do they still credit home field advantage for three points when you're talking about the spread? If so... I don't know why, considering you don't really have the same home home field advantage that you would with fans. So, with this, I'm going to say quite confidently that Washington wins this game. Uh, and by winning the game, obviously, they cover the spread. I'll be interested to see if Kyle Allen finishes out this game for Washington or if we have another Alex Smith sighting. In week six. Next up, we have the four and one Ravens going up against the one three and one Eagles battle of the birds. The story here is going to be Lamar Jackson for me. Does he get going finally up against a pass defense that's relatively middle of the road? And this is more about Jackson than it is about the matchup though. Uh, he has yet to throw, I believe, for four touchdowns this season. And you're talking about the passing leader in touchdowns last season. Lamar Jackson, I'm looking for a breakout game for him. As far as the backfield goal goes, Dobbins finally had a finally had another game where he gets utilized in the passing game. Only one rush attempt. Uh, He did take that for 34 yards, though, but he had three catches in the game. He's one of my stash players this year, and I still have him on one of my leagues because I 
I still am holding out hope, I guess, against somewhat against the evidence that as the season goes on, Dobbins is going to get more utilized in that offense. And by the time playoffs come around, I'm hoping that he's going to be um, at least a 1B type of back in the next to Ingram. On the other side of the ball, you have a Eagles team that hasn't really took flight this season offensively. Um, a ton of pa- a ton of injuries in the passing game, which has actually paved way for Travis Fulgham, who had a with along with Claypool, who was you know the breakout dude last week. He himself had a breakout game uh, in his second game of the season. Scoring 31.2 fantasy points, 10 catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Now, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, their status for this game is currently up in the air. And we'll be going up against a Baltimore defense that is number eight against wide receivers. A much harder matchup than than Pittsburgh was statistically last week. That being said, he is still available in a little over 80% of leagues. And the week before that, he had a 13.7 point game, albeit uh, touchdown dependent on that. Only two catches in the week before. But he's somebody who is a viable option to take a flyer on, see if he can put together another game or two of consistent play uh more so the, the next couple weeks after baltimore are a couple favorable matchups against the giants and the cowboys but if he's available and you are looking for maybe some depth in your wide receiver core definitely somebody to keep your eye on along with Ertz. uh with goddard going down Ertz is the tight end for Philadelphia. A quiet game last week, but I would not expect that to continue. Uh, Wentz typically uses his tight ends very effectively. The line for this is the Ravens at minus 7.5. I'm going to predict the Ravens win this, but I'm actually going to say that they do not cover. I think the Eagles... Keep it a little closer than that. I'm not entirely certain why I'm saying this, but I am. Um, Wins Wins will get things going finally. Uh, I'm hoping, at least for his sake. I think he's a good player. But against, you know, logic, I guess, against what the numbers say, I'm going to... I'm going to pick the Eagles to cover the spread here. I know I said Lamar Jackson is poised for a breakout game uh, against the Eagles. Just some tells me Eagles keep it closer than closer than that. I could very well be wrong on that because that that's a big, uh, big branch to go out on. Next up, we got the 4-1 Browns. Yes, I, I said four and one rounds. That's something that you don't 
ever say, really. Uh, against the 4-0 Steelers, one of the highlight matchups, honestly, from this week. And again, a highlight matchup involving the Browns, not something you typically say. Baker Mayfield has been having a good season, but really what has kept has kept the Browns in games and how they've been winning games has been the fact that they have been committed to the ground game. Uh, it hurt me in a couple of leagues because I had Chubb and then Chubb went down with an injury. I'm hoping he comes back and gets his stride back going before playoffs hit for me. But Kareem Hunt, one of the better backup running backs, I say backup running backs, and really, honestly, he was a backup running back. It wasn't as much of a 1A, 1B situation, even though Hunt is extremely talented, has off-field issues, but extremely talented. He has stepped in and really... The, the offense has not missed a beat. Uh, so far this season, he's averaging five yards a carry uh, with three touchdowns. And although he has not eclipsed 100 yards on the ground, he has contributed uh, averaging you know 6.5 yards a carry against Dallas for two touchdowns. And then you have OBJ and Landry on the outside getting fed just enough for him to not be a distraction and not make a big deal of things. Uh, really, though, Roethlisberger is having a bit of a bounce-back season here. Uh, ten touchdowns to only one interception. He's not necessarily throwing up huge numbers as far as you know, yardage goes just a little over a thousand yards, uh, but extremely efficient. A hundred of 143. That is damn close to being 70% completion percentage. Really, the news on that side of the ball coming out last week is not uh, Roethlisberger. It's not Connor, who's been having a good season. A consistent season, but it's Chase Claypool. This guy came out and dropped 42.6 fantasy points last week, seven catches for 64 yards, and three touchdowns. In addition to one rush or three rushing tips for six yards and a rushing touchdown, four total touchdowns for Claypool. Now, he's obviously not going to be dropping 42 points a game, but there is a good chance, I think, that this is, you know, this is just the beginning for Claypool, and his usage is just going to go up with Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, one of the highest added players in fantasy football, if not the highest added player. Uh, and he's still available in 22% of leagues. If he's available, get him. Just just get him. I mean, he, with Roethlisberger throwing the ball, 
there is great opportunity for some high-flying, eye-popping numbers in the passing game. And Claypool has a huge body. He has the speed. He He's a great fit for Roethlisberger. So go out, get him. Yeah, he's averaging 17.6 points. I would expect that to maybe drop a bit. Uh, but... He's going to be a double-digit a game score, I think, for the most of the rest of the season. When I said the Browns are winning because they're committed to the running attack, they're averaging 188 yards on the ground. 188 yards. Now, that, that's dropping a little bit with the loss of Chubb, but still really solid. Uh, but it's through the air that they're getting that they can get attacked the most. Uh, going up against, you know, the Steelers going up against a team that are averaging 314 yards roughly a game passing against them. Number 31 against wide receivers. Big game potential for Juju and for Claypool. And for Deontay Johnson, uh, the uh, question mark whether or not he's going to play, but if he does, he is another guy that should probably slide into a starting role on your team. The line on this is Steelers minus three and a half. Considering the Steelers are only giving up 64 yards a game on the ground, I'm going to side with the Steelers in this game, and I think they cover the spread as well. Brown's heavily reliant on that running attack, and I think it can get shut down by the Steelers' defense. Up next, we have the 4-1 Bears against the 3-2 Panthers. Uh, Bears, a surprising team to me, and I feel like probably to a lot of people. Led by Nick Foles, five touchdowns, three interceptions. Basically what you expect to get out of a Nick Foles. Not great numbers, but not numbers that are going to necessarily lose you games. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, though, on the flip side, has really... Six touchdowns, three interceptions. And really buoyed by Robbie Anderson, who through five games is averaging nearly 100 yards a game. 489 yards so far with 36 catches. And you would have thought possibly that losing Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in the NFL, would have really hampered this Carolina Panthers team. But Mike Davis has stepped in and done a damn fine job. And not just on the ground where he's averaging 4.8 yards a game, but through the air too, which is really where I thought that they might miss Christian McCaffrey. But he has 30 catches for 206 yards on the season. Which, you know, they're not... Those are really respectable numbers, especially considering he only you know, in the last few weeks, really stepped into a primary back type of role. Now, 
David Montgomery, not as impressive of a season so far as compared to, you know, what Davis has done in his uh, replacement duty. But he's he has a much more favorable matchup going up against the worst defense against opposing running backs in the Carolina Panthers. So if the Bears want to win this game, they're going to need to rely on Montgomery and what he can do, not just in the running game, but also through the air. It will be a low-scoring game, especially if the Bears want a chance to win this. That defense has bounced back, I'd say, from a little bit of a regression last season. Number two against uh, opposing wide receivers. The spread in this game is Carolina minus one and a half. Again, basically a coin flip, especially when you consider that the Panthers are getting a bit of a home field advantage boost there. Um, I'm actually going to say that the Bears win this game. I'm not a I'm not a fan of the Bears, and they've been surprising me this season. But, you know, i got to come around at some point. If they're 4-1 and one and the matchup really plays in their favor going up against a team that is as bad against running backs as Carolina has been, they have an opportunity to shorten this game, really rely on their defense, and that just plays right into the Bears' hand next up we have the one and three lions against the one and four jaguars all right there's one name i want to get to in particular out of this game and that's lavisca chenault for the jaguars his usage has just been going up as the season has gone along he's coming off of back-to-back 14 point games um, fantasy wise and yet he is still available in a little over 60% of NFL fantasy leagues. And this is a guy who is a flex start for most teams. And, you know, quite possibly a wide receiver two type of dude, depending on bye weeks have been thrown all out of whack with, you know, the rescheduling the NFL has been doing. And yet he is still available in the majority of leagues. And that's just kind of mind-blowing to me. LaVisca is second on the team in targets at 28. Just one behind uh, Keelan Cole at 29. And yet he paces the team in receptions with 23. Leads the team in yards at 270. And has a touchdown. And that doesn't even factor in how he's utilized in other uh, sort of ways. He has nine carries for 53 yards on the season. Now, that's not necessarily you know, a huge amount of carries, but it does show that they have packages for him, and they have other ways that they try to get the ball in his hands because he's, he's dangerous with the ball in his hands. He is a playmaker. You saw that back in his time with CU, and you know they did it to there. This is a guy who is... A wide receiver but he is just he is a playmaker and you manufacture ways to get the ball in a playmaker's hands not to mention the fact that he is 6 230 pounds he he's not a frail wide receiver he is built and he can 
run between the tackles if he needs to. On the other side, you have the Lions. Uh, Stafford, eight touchdowns to three interceptions on the season. Adrian Peterson is leading the team in rushes and yards, averaging 4.5 yards a carry on the ground for them. Uh, yet another team he has uh, gotten onto and has been quite productive for, you know, being a player who is past his prime and, you know, comfortably past his prime. Although it hasn't necessarily translated to great fantasy numbers, he does have a favorable matchup here going up against the Jacksonville Rush defense, who is 24th against opposing running backs. Uh, the guy who I kind of more want to look at is the Andre Swift. Uh, Swift not necessarily putting up great numbers on the ground, only averaging 3.5 yards a carry. But he is definitely being utilized through the passing game. He is he is the receiving back there. And three out of four weeks uh, that, that the Lions have played, he has put up double-digit fantasy points. And yet he's still available in roughly 40% of leagues. Another guy who is... Uh, you know, could very well be a flex guy for you. And he's out there, and this guy's a rookie. His usage will just continue to grow uh, for the foreseeable future, especially considering the Lions don't really have a defense and will be passing the ball a whole lot as the season goes on. Robinson posed for a big game for the Jaguars on the ground, but if you have him, you are probably already playing him. The line on this is Jaguars plus three, and I'm not sure why the Jaguars are not favored in this game. I'm going to go ahead and say Jaguars win this, therefore obviously cover a plus three spread. Up next, we have the 0-5 Jets against the 2-3 Dolphins. What do the New York teams have in common? They're both just awful. And the number one overall pick in this next year's draft for Trevor Lawrence, in all likelihood, is going to be owned by a team in New York who both have spent in relatively recent drafts, obviously the Giants more recently, Spends a very high draft pick on a quarterback. Which one of these teams is going to move on for Trevor Lawrence, who is a generational talent at quarterback? And I would think, you know, both these teams should strongly consider Trevor Lawrence over their current options. Uh, or, you know, if... I'm leaning more towards the Giants with this, just because, you know, Jones has had less time in the league. Um, maybe if the Giants end up with that number one overall pick, maybe, you know, they can field offers. And somebody with, you know, the fifth pick can send a couple first rounds their way. Who knows? It's a, it's a lot of capital there, especially when you have a talent like Lawrence coming out in this next draft. But, alas, fantasy-wise, not a ton to talk about here. Le'Veon Bell no longer with the team means that this is Frank Gore's team. 
I uh, I wouldn't play Frank Gore. I'm not a big fan of him as far as fantasy output goes. He hasn't been a great fantasy player really in a few years. Uh, very touchdown dependent if he puts up a good score. On the other side, Gaskin, uh, he, on the other hand, is fantasy relevant. He's played quite well for the Dolphins and trying to keep that Fitzmagic going. And then, of course, Jamison Crowder uh, and, and, and Parker are both, you know, flex-type options out of wide receiver. There's nothing super surprising coming out of this game. Uh, the Dolphins, wow, Dolphins minus nine and a half. I'm not sure if I'm buying into the Dolphins that hard. Obviously, they're coming off a victory against the San Francisco 49ers, and the Jets are awful. I mean, I, I can't really say that enough. But nine and a half, that is a big spread in my opinion. I do think the Dolphins win this, but I think the Jets can cover I do think the Jets can cover that spread. Wow, next we have a matchup of two guys who people keep asking, are they done? We have Aaron Rodgers in the 4-0 Packers against Tom Brady in the 3-2 Bucks. Uh, Bucks actually undefeated at home so far this season. Tons of fantasy-relevant people in this game. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Aaron Jones, Ronald Jones. I didn't even realize that, but we have a Jones-on-Jones head-to-head matchup here at the running back position. Um, Rodgers, without his number one target so far this season, and Lazard, obviously, he's got put on IR. It's looking like an early September return for him. Uh, if you have if you have a spare spot, somebody who might be worth adding as he's available in roughly 60% of NFL fantasy leagues. Uh, somebody, you know, you pick up, you stash. It really looked promising for him early on in the season. Obviously, Devontae Adams, big-time target for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there, there's not a ton of surprising things. Aaron Jones, Ronald Jones, probably both must-starts if you have him. Uh, and obviously, Devontae Adams must start here. Mike Evans must start if you have him. Tons of fantasy potential in this game, and not really anything that's going to be surprising, and you probably don't already know. Now, the Packers are actually favored in this game. Uh, minus one is the spread, and wow. I do think the Packers win this game. Uh, their defense is just better. Both these offenses have potential for some fireworks in this game. And especially Brady, had, the more he gets to play with the weapons around him, the more in sync he gets with those guys. Not to mention, um, Leonard Fournette should be returning as well, it seems like, in this game. And that bit of extra... You know, extra dynamic play out of the backfield, utilizing him in the pass game potentially. But you you have so much going for the Bucks on offense. You just 
don't have the same kind of potential on the defensive side of things. Now, they haven't necessarily given up a ton of yards passing, but let's look at who they've played. Against the Saints in Week 1, gave up 34 yards, probably the best passing attack they have played this season. Panthers, Week 2, only gave up 17 points. Now, Bridgewater and Anderson have really come on, but this was early on. There wasn't the same kind of chemistry built. There wasn't the same kind of potential in the passing game as they have in the present rendition of the Panthers. Week 3 against the Broncos... A Broncos without Drew Locke, I'll say. Uh, only gave up 10, 10 points. And, and then four, week four against the Chargers, 31 against a rookie starting quarterback, albeit with weapons to throw to. And then against the Bears, lost that 19-20. But the Bears do not have a dynamic passing game, especially with Nick Foles. So, yes, they're only allowing about 265 yards a game through the air, but I'm willing to bet against actual good passing attacks, they're giving up far more than that. And you can't get too much better through the air than what the Packers and Aaron Rodgers can do. The Packers win this game, and they cover that spread easily in my book. And last thing to note on that game, I was just reading, uh, Chris Godwin is uh, expected to return, according to Bruce Arians, in this game against the Packers. That will help them, and you know maybe they can keep this game relatively close, but the Packers, in my book, they still win this game, and they win it by more than one. Next up, we have the 4-1 Rams against the 3, or 2-3, sorry, 49ers. I forget, they lost to the Dolphins. Another divisional matchup, an important divisional matchup, if you're the 49ers in particular, if you want to stay within striking distance of, you know, the leaders in the division, considering the Seahawks still haven't lost. The Rams only have that one loss on the season, and have looked pretty good and pretty complete so far. Jared Goff doing well. Uh, we'll be interested to see what happens. I'm assuming Garoppolo is going to get the start. But are they going to keep him in this time? He got a, he got a relatively early hook against the Dolphins. A game that was, you know, still winnable, I felt like, when they pulled him, considering the type of explosive nature that that 49ers offense has shown, in particularly last year, and they just added pieces to it. Uh, the rushing attack is what I'd mostly like to talk about when you're talking about this this game. For the Rams, it's just it's looking more and more like they're going, heading towards a two-headed attack with the young guns, Daryl Henderson, their draft pick from last year, and Cam Akers, their draft pick from this year. Uh, they're both averaging over four yards a carry. Now, Malcolm Brown is averaging four yards a carry, but he's he's the older of the backs, and he is the odd man out, I think, as the season goes on. Then you look at the other side of things, and... A running back 
you know, room that has so much talent with Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon, Tavon Coleman. I mean, those are all guys that have proven track records in the NFL of being explosive backs. But most it, this is this is Mostert's job. And it was shown last week with his first game back, even with as well as McKinnon had been doing in his in his place, uh, it was Mostert's team, really. Uh, he's averaging seven yards a carry on the ground. Uh, if you have McKinnon, I would not play him unless the 49ers show that they're actually going to deploy a multi-back set. Brandon Ayuk, if we want to talk a little bit about wide receivers, uh, he's had a couple of, you know, a couple of good games, but his usage is just not there right now, especially with your game Debo Samuel back, and they both play very similar roles when you're talking about what they fill for the uh, 49ers here. As the season goes on, I think they'll find ways to better utilize him uh, alongside Samuel. And that 49ers defense is just going to get more explosive as the season goes along. And I think that can get started here, in particular on the ground game. Rams, good defense, not not necessarily a great defense. And Mostert's just so explosive. I think this is the get-right, bounce-back game for the 49ers after that, you know, embarrassing loss uh, against the Dolphins. The spread in this game is the Rams minus three. I'm actually going to pick the Niners to win this game outright, so obviously covering the spread. Now, on to Monday night, which, like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we actually have two Monday night games this week. The first one of which is the 4-1 Chiefs taking on the 4-1 Bills. Both of these teams coming off their first loss of the season last week. Obviously, the headline news here, Le'Veon Bell actually signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Which is a little troublesome for me in particular, uh, just because in my my family league, I just did a trade going into last week for Clyde Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, who's actually somewhat surprisingly to me is projected for the most fantasy points of any running back in Week Six. So how much will Bell eat into those touches? I do not know. Uh, I'm going to say not a ton, at least not this week. Obviously, Bell's going to have to learn the system. They're going to have to build a role for him. But Clyde is the younger back, obviously, being a rookie, and he is the future for this team. Le'Veon might be utilized more so... I, I Honestly, I'm curious to see if he'll get split out more. You know, they'll technically, I guess, be like a two-back set, but you run Le'Veon in more of like a slot um, or H-back type of role considering his proficiency as being a receiver. And especially earlier on in his career, 
people really high on his route running abilities, so maybe he's utilized more like that. It would potentially add some, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily needed size, but some lacking size to their um, receiving core if he's utilized more in that sort of capacity. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, two of the best uh, quarterbacks in fantasy this season. Singletary doing okay for the Bills. Diggs, though, Diggs has been phenomenal for the Bills. Really showed up after being traded there. 36 catches for 509 yards and two touchdowns. Now, both of these teams are good. Both of these teams have good defenses, not necessarily great defenses. But the Bills are actually 28th against the pass. And um, I probably don't have to tell you, they're going up against the best passing attack in the NFL, led by the best quarterback in the NFL, and Patrick Mahomes. It has potential to get ugly, especially when you consider... Technically, Tredavious White is listed as questionable heading into this game. We'll see what happens with that. I'm I'm assuming he's going to play, but it's worth noting anytime somebody shows up on the uh, injury report. Bills coming off a loss to the Titans on that weird um, weird Tuesday night game we had. So they also have technically a, a shorter week of prep coming into this, whereas the Chiefs coming off a loss to the Raiders on Sunday, as, you know, probably the more surprising of two losses, I'm going to be honest, uh, to the Raiders. They are defending Super Bowl champs. They have championship expectations put on them, and they will, in my book, bounce back. And, you know, potentially blow out the Bills. Uh, it's a five-point spread. Chiefs minus five. I'm going to say the Chiefs win this, and I think they cover. I Bills, good team. I don't necessarily know if they're on the same level as the Chiefs at this point, though. Then the last game of the week, we have the 3-2 Cardinals going up against the 2-3 Cowboys. Technically, the first place in the NFC East, Cowboys. And then the really tragic news um, and the headline news coming out of last week was the injury to Dak Prescott. Kind of a gruesome one, to be honest with you. Um, the sock covered it up so you couldn't... It wasn't as bad to see as it could have been, but compound fracture to the ankle. Obviously, Dak is done for the season, and with an injury like that, I don't know, but we'll see how the recovery goes. Um, speedy recovery, hope the best for him, obviously. But on to the game at hand. Andy Dalton is the backup. And quite honestly, I feel like this was the best backup situation in the NFL. 
Um, you can make an argument for the Dolphins just because, you know, they have Tua in the wing and there's more potential with Tua. But as far as, you know, your traditional backup quarterback, Dalton has years of experience as a starter, has had Pro Bowl seasons, seasons that he's put up good numbers for a team that has never really been able to put it together. And I don't put that fault on Andy Dalton. I put the fault on the organization. But he's going to step in, and he has he has weapons galore to throw to. You know, you have Amari Cooper, you have C.D. Lamb, you have Michael Gallup. C.D. Lamb is actually who I flipped for uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Really has come on strong uh, this season. The best. I mentioned this earlier. He he was he's the best. Rookie wide receivers so far this season. Utilized really well with the Cowboys as well. Um, Ezekiel Elliott for also on the ground to help him out. Yes, it is a loss to lose Dak Prescott. Andy Dalton, especially at this point in his career, not as good as Andy Dalton. Or, sorry, not as good as Dak Prescott. Yet... I don't think it's as drastic of a drop-off as you might think or you might be led to believe. With this injury, I foresee the Cowboys leaning more heavily on the run game and on Ezekiel Elliott, which could very well be the best way for the Cowboys to win football games in general. You have one of the best backs in the NFL – Possibly the best pure running back in the NFL. And now you're going to be forced to rely on him more, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yes, you have all these weapons in the passing game, but your bread and butter, if you're the Cowboys, in my opinion, should still be grounding it out with Zeke. Now, with it going to Andy Dalton, I do feel like you're probably going to get a little, a bit of a drop-off in production from the wide receiver core. I've not necessarily been a big fan of Michael Gallup this season, just because I feel like he is, especially you know at this point in the season, he is the number three wide receiver by a decent margin. Uh, CeeDee Lamb really coming on, like I've said. Amari Cooper, definitely the number one there. CeeDee Lamb is really um, a number one talent at wide receiver. And Michael Gallup, really good wide receiver. He's just not necessarily on the level of those other two guys. And when you're going forward and you're possibly going to be passing the ball even less, which means there's less to go around, Less opportunities, probably, for Michael Gallup. Maybe, if you can, this is a situation to try to sell on Michael Gallup. Uh, see if you can get something in return. Uh, a sell-high moment, if you will. For the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray 
coming into the season was my favorite running back or my favorite quarterback coming into the season fantasy wise. Uh, I mean, obviously you have Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes who are the top two, but Kyler Murray had so much potential coming in and really has lived up to it aside for some interceptions. But you add adding to Andre Hopkins, who has been the top wide receiver in fantasy football, and you add him into that wide receiver core that he was already having success with last year, and he's done well so far this season. Where the Cardinals have been hurt, though, has uh, been on the ground. I mean, and they have not had the production that they were expecting to have on the ground, in particular from Kenyon Drake. Uh, Drake, 314 yards on the ground, yes, but only 3.7 yards per carry. Chase Edmonds, actually, he, he's he been the more efficient running back on the ground, albeit um, in a uh, much smaller sample size, but he is actually averaging five, uh, five yards a carry on the ground. But he has been a factor in the passing game. Actually, after DeAndre Hopkins, he is tied for the second most catches on the team. Third most targets on the team. Uh, so, fantasy-wise, Chase Edmonds, definitely the preferred running back choice uh, on, these, on the Arizona Cardinals. And he's actually available in uh, about 55, 54.5% of leagues. And he's averaging 11.7 points per game. Uh, coming off back-to-back double-digit games, 15 points against Carolina and 20.20 points uh, against the New York Jets. Somebody who you might want to look at picking up, especially with the um, disappointing output by Kenyon Drake so far this season. Definitely opens the door for Edmonds to step into a a uh, more productive and a higher usage role with the Cardinals and an offense that has been pretty good and explosive. Now, as far as the spread in this game, the Cardinals are favored by minus one and a half. Uh, they, I'm going to go ahead and say they win this game and they cover that spread. Uh, I know I was saying it's not a big drop off for the Cowboys as far as going from Dak to Andy Dalton, but there's a reason that they have a losing record so far this season, and it's that defense. And going up against, like I said, an explosive offense in the Arizona Cardinals, it's just not a recipe to get a dub. Which leaves us with my... (laughs) Number one game for this week, just because I am a diehard Broncos fan, uh, is the 1-3 Broncos going up against the 2-2 two two Patriots. This is a game that got pushed back a week uh, because the Patriots had a COVID little breakout on their team, I guess you should say, including Cam Newton. Um, and the Broncos really kind of got gypped out of a bye week. Because the game was not post was not you know postponed a whole week until Sunday, so the Broncos went through all week of practicing and preparing, 
and working to then on Sunday be told that that was their bye week. Definitely frustrating for Broncos players. Uh, and, you know, the game was supposed to be a Monday night game, which was going to be fun for me as a fan being able to watch them in a primetime spotlight. So disappointing for me as well. But it got pushed back. So now for the Denver Broncos, we're going to get Drew Locke back, it looks like. Philip Lindsay's going to be back. And potentially, it looks like being the featured back for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Melvin Gordon got a DUI earlier this week and then was held out of practice yesterday with a non-COVID illness, according to reports. It is still questionable whether or not we will have no offense, but obviously having an extra week definitely um, beneficial in having Fant back. Uh, so you're looking at Broncos offense that is potentially going to be as close to 100% as they have been since week one. Uh, going up against a New England Patriots who the league, um, league helped out by pushing this game back instead of having them play just without Cam Newton. Which, I mean, seemed like it would be the logical choice. But hey, who am I to say? Uh, getting Drew Locke back, though, will be very, <laughs> very nice uh, for this offense. For Jerry Judy. Uh, for Noah Fant, if he's playing. And just to have clearly the best quarterback option for this team back there. And I am excited to have Philip Lindsay back, and I'm excited for him be featured in this offense with Melvin Gordon, albeit coming off, you know, a couple weeks now ago, his best performance as a Bronco. But Philip Lindsay, I still believe, is the better back in that backfield. He is, if you look at the numbers, he averages more per carry on the ground. And he was doing that behind a awful Broncos line, uh, line. He, in every season, has been a Pro Bowl running back. Now, it's it's the Pro Bowl. It's not. It's it's a little bit of a skewed way to judge somebody's career. But he has been a Pro Bowl running back in both his career, both his seasons. He's been a thousand yard rusher in both his seasons, and he is. He is a Bronco. He is a Colorado kid. And it's just exciting to see him have an opportunity to be that featured back and hopefully go out there and show why he should be RB1 and Melvin Gordon should be, you know, the guy who comes in to spell him. As the season goes on, I'm, I'm fairly confident it's going to continue to be a relatively even split between the two. But, you know, Lindsay has an opportunity on Sunday, it looks like. Cam Newton is looks like he'll be clear to go come Sunday, which will be um, problematic for the Broncos' defense, to say the least. But if you want to look at it and try to find a bright side to this, the Patriots have been... 
uh, most efficient running the ball, uh, having about 180 yards per game on the ground, 226 yards per game through the air, so still decent. But when their offense is performing at its best, it is a run-first offense, especially with Cam Newton back there. And that has been the aspect of the game that the Broncos' defense has been the best at, only averaging 109 yards per game on the ground against them, and really showed up pretty well against a, a few solid uh, running backs this season. Played quite well against the Tennessee Titans, uh, against... Pittsburgh, Connor, held that in check for most of the game. Uh, the Bucks against the Jets really played well. Uh, played well against the run. I, uh, mostly I want to go back to that week one performance against Derrick Henry, which was really a great defensive performance. He was able to, you know, pad his stats a little bit in the closing uh, minutes of that game. But for the bulk of it, really held Derrick Henry in check. Now, the spread, I guess, in this game looks like it's the Patriots minus 9.5 at home. I, oof. I think the Patriots, if I'm going to be honest, I think the Patriots win this game. I don't think it's a 9.5-point spread, though. Uh, I think the Broncos can keep it closer than that. They're actually 3-1 and one against the spread on the season. But they keep it closer than that, and the Broncos really, I'm going to say, have a chance to win this game. Uh, it's going to ask a lot. It's going to ask for Drew Locke to you know, come back in stride after missing the last three games. Uh, I guess like two and a half games. But it's going to ask for him to come back and be in rhythm with this offense right off the bat, which is a huge ask of Drew Locke. But it's not an impossible ask of him, especially if you want to think of him as the face of the franchise and the quarterback of the future. So... Patriots win, but I think it is going to be a closer game than that. Now, with that said, those are my picks and a little bit of insight into this week from my point of view. Again, this is Mike Jones. I was your host today. You can follow me on Instagram and then Twitter at AKCoachJones. Give this podcast a like, a follow, give it a comment. Uh, share it with your friends. You can find it on Podbean. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all the major platforms this is getting spread out to. So for now, enjoy a weekend of football, and I'll talk to you again next week. Hopefully, I want to come at you with a wrap-up of the Nuggets season and a look ahead to the offseason. But for now, this has been What Sports with your host, Mike Jones. Talk to you next time.